Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Equipping You Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And today I have my new friend, Mitchell Chase, with us. And Mitch, welcome to the Equipping You Grace podcast, brother. Hey, Dave. It's good to be with you. I'm excited to talk about these things. Yeah, man. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about your life, marriage, ministry, and any ministry projects that you're working on? I live in Louisville, Kentucky. My wife, Stacy, and I have been married 17 years. We're originally from Texas, and uh, we came to Louisville in 2010. Uh, We have four boys, and uh, their ages are 13, 11, 9, and 5. The the house is uh, lively and vibrant from sunup to sundown. (laughs) And so um, it's, it's a a fun life though, here in Louisville, we love the city and um, I I work um, in a couple different ways. Um, I'm a pastor of a local church. I've been the preaching pastor at Cosmosdale Baptist church for 10 years this year. And um, I'm an associate professor at Southern seminary in, um, in biblical studies, being able to work in church ministry and um, being able to serve students uh, it's a it's a great joy and delight, and uh, the Lord's given me opportunities to write on things as well. So our family um, just prays to be able to thrive here and flourish where the Lord has planted us, and uh, we're grateful for the blessings He's given. It's been a sweet time. That's wonderful, brother. Praise God. Well, can you tell us about your this book, uh, Resurrection Hope and the Death of Hope? Why you wrote it and how you hope it was received? And I'll just stop there for just a second. You wrote in my one of my favorite series. I'm sure you might know have known that because I've said it so mm-hmm. often. The short studies on biblical theology, the short studies in systematic theology that this book in really good. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I I love this series too. I I was so pleased uh, for Crossways output in this series over the years. I've been so helped by books that have been written here, and um, this was a joy to write on a topic very close to my own heart and academic work. Back in 2010, when we moved to Louisville, uh, I was doing a a doctorate here at Southern Seminary under Jim Hamilton. And uh, when Dr. Hamilton and I were discussing particular projects and focus for my my work, um, Daniel 12 and uh, the theme of resurrection hope just loomed very large the longer I was in my coursework. And this book here is uh, my attempt to distill in a concise way and in this beloved series to me. Um, a topic that I've thought a lot about and have tried to um, encourage others with. The title, Resurrection, Hope, and the Death of Death, is um, is meant to be uh, a topic that or a title that will cover the whole counsel of God's contribution to um, this topic. I'm not just focusing, in other words, on the resurrection of Christ or you know the resurrection according to different prophets. I'm trying to to do what this series is aiming to do, and that is take take something that Scripture addresses and trace it to try to show the development and organic connections throughout the Scriptures 
about resurrection hope. And um, being able to write this book uh, was uh, something I had hoped to do. And being able to do it in a series I love, uh, I'm very thankful for that opportunity. So Crossway's support throughout the, the process has been great. And I'm, I'm glad that this is the, the month of the release. I'm excited. <laughs> That's awesome, brother. That's awesome. You know, the, we don't see, I think I was thinking of this earlier, like, I think there's only like, maybe there hasn't been that many actual books. I think there's Adrian Warnock's book and maybe in the last 10 years or so that, that have been on the resurrection. So you would hmm. think that there'd be more books that, that I can recall off the top of my head. There might be more, you know? Yeah. I mean, there are definitely some that have been, um, heavily academic. You know, I think of N.T. Wright's book, Resurrection of the Son of God. And that that book is massive, and it's not going to reach the sort of audience that my book is aimed for, though I think there are many helpful things in that book. And I'm, I'm glad uh, that this series itself is going to be uh, the have the kind of accessibility to it that it will benefit, uh, you know, small groups and Sunday school classes. It will benefit college courses and seminary uh, required reading. These uh, these books really serve a multitude of, of uh, targets. And uh, I think that's a huge strength of the series. And hopefully the book will serve that in too. Yeah. Yeah. This, this series, like you're touching on is not only good for the average Christian, but it's good for the, it's good for the, the seasoned Bible teacher pastor right. or even, even somebody, you know, that has a ridiculous amount of education. I think that they can, anybody can get uh, something out of this series. So. Yeah, and I think as Christians, we want to we want to grow in our understanding of the whole counsel of God as we are discipled. And to have a series that will take us through so much of Scripture, it's reinforcing the instincts that we want to have. And that is instincts of noticing inner biblical connections and the progressive revelation from Old to New Testament. Um, I, I think the series is such a massive help in that way. And uh, the different topics they have in the series have just been so well done. Um, yeah, that's, I, I'm in total agreement with you. And I, and I know you are uh, with what I'm saying too. We're, we're on the same page here about the strengths. Yeah, for sure. Well, brother, uh, we've been talking on the, about the doctrine of scripture the last few months. And uh, how does a good understanding of the doctrine of scripture help us to have a good understanding of the resurrection, hope and death? Hmm. You know, the, the doctrine of resurrection does not show up in the new Testament first. And um, and I think what's helpful about this topic with the ministry of Christ is that we see an example in real history and time of resurrection from the dead unto immortality. But um, I'm trying to argue that resurrection hope is older than the empty tomb. We proclaim the empty tomb, but what Christ has come to do is inaugurate as the first fruits. A, uh, a hope that was Old Testament as well, mm -hmm. and that goes back quite early into the Torah. Uh, the doctrine of Scripture then uh, will help us see that the inspired, authoritative, and infallible Word of God has a seed sown for glorified immortality, eternal embodied life as uh, uh, early in the Scriptures. And um, we can see the biblical authors convinced of and advancing across the Testaments a hope for this uh, very kind of life. Just like uh, an acorn produces a tree, to borrow from uh, G.K. Beale's analogy, um, you can think about a biblical theology of resurrection hope the same way, and that early um, seedlings, if you will, are going to flower and give uh, rise to great, robust 
clear, explicit hope uh, as you go. I think a doctrine of scripture matters for this series in the way they've envisioned it. And it certainly matters for resurrection hope specifically. You can see the Lord um, designing and providentially advancing this hope. Mm, That's really good, brother. You know, early on in the, I think it's the introduction, you, you talk about why we should read about resurrection hope. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what you're thinking there. I'm I'm concerned about um, the levels of discouragement that we can have as sinners in a fallen world. There's so much around us, the external circumstances, our indwelling sin. Um, there's there's much that can easily overwhelm. And we are we are not a people who are probably going around too encouraged and too hopeful about things. We we need sources of hope and we need to be anchored in what is true. Um, I, I, I think a, a topic like this is one that seeks to orient our focus beyond what is temporal, beyond what is uh, just passing away in this world as these earthly things are. Uh, the resurrection hope has a way of awakening our our uh, hearts and affections mm-hmm. for lasting glories and life that we were made for. And um, I, I think that that reinvigorates the human spirit to be able to embrace our created purpose, to be able to have a hope for what lies ahead. Mm-hmm. That that can that can cause us uh, to have great perseverance through difficulty. It can cause us to endure with trust in God, which is what we would want. And um, and I, I write on a topic like this because I know I need this. And and I know if readers are like me, we we need to have our eyes fixed on glorious realities. And Christ has come to bring resurrection life to sinners. That is a thrilling topic. And and I think if we would meditate on it. Uh, we would find our hearts delighting in it and our our um, our own faith strengthened in it. Uh, I think this has served my own soul this way, and I hope it'll serve readers this way. Yeah, that's really good, brother, especially, you know, in the last couple of years as we've come out of this time of, you know, a lot of people dying from, you know, we're not going to talk about COVID, but it, just bringing that up as an example. That's right. You know, there's a lot of grief and pain and People have suffered greatly, lost family members. You know, I'm speaking to myself, uh, people that are very close to me. Yes. And it's hard. And what this does is you can talk about discouragement. You talk about grief. Uh, it reminds us that this life is not all that there is. That there That's is so true. Life, there's a life to come. And, you know, Paul, I just reminded there just off the top of my head of Second Timothy 4, where Paul is longing for that day, the day where Christ will come and write everything and and uh he's longing for that day it's not just the here and now where we have the grace of god it's it's that day yet future like you're talking about the inaugurated inaugurated eschatology the already and not yet and so yeah what a beautiful what a beautiful truth and we can preach that to ourselves and oh man i i just i love that truth so and I think it's a challenge for us as believers to have our hearts longing for what the Bible wants us to long for. There's so much ensnarement in this life that corrupts our affections and distorts our thinking. And um, I think a, a huge goal in our discipleship is to long for what the Bible says we should hope for. For uh, the resurrection truths to shine brightly, um, we need to pray for the Lord to give us eyes to see and to behold in our hearts the glory of this hope. That way, our hopes truly would begin lining up with the Bible's 
future and hope, and that we would long for what the Bible says we should desire and long for. Uh, that's a, a huge signal, I think, in our own lives of, of maturity and growth and wisdom when we can have our hearts oriented in that way. And um, we would we would love for the Lord to be pleased to do that in us. Yeah. You know, as you're ministering to people, I'm sure that I know I'm as any any pastor, any pastor, good pastor would would want their people to grab hold of that. So what would you say to like the average mm -hmm. Christian who's listening to that and they're struggling with that reality? And I'm sure you talk to people about this all the time. I I want I want us to all have a frequent reminder in our minds. I don't want to be overly morbid, but we need to all remember we're going to die. The reality of death is something that um, consumes much of pastoral ministry, depending on the size of a church. You're doing funerals. You're doing funerals every year. You're doing funerals for old and for young people. And you're doing funerals for believers and for unbelievers. The reality of death is inescapable. And, uh, you know, I tell people when you go by a graveyard, um, the graves are not distinguishing who was the wise and who's the fool and who's the old and who's the young just by driving by. You would need more information on that stone or elsewhere. Um, the death, the universality of death is what should stir within us a longing for something more, because everything we accumulate in this life, any um, goals and achievements we want to accomplish any uh, any great investments we're trying to make, death is going to come. And it is a startling reality to some folks who live as if they're invincible. Um, I, I see it as a, a, a real need in pastoral ministry to give people the comforts and consolation of the gospel and the hope of what's to come. And and that means um, being forthright with people about the realities of death and the dangers of folly and um, the, yeah, of, of where foolishness leads and the ruin of life without God. Knowing, however, that we will all die and that the life God has made us for in Christ is a life of resurrection immortality, a life of bodily immortality. And, um, and I think that this will lift our, our gaze, lift our perspective beyond the temporal. And it will help people, even as young as we can pray for the Lord to work in this way, that they would live long lives for the glory of God fixed on eternal things. Mm -hmm. um, so in pastoral ministry, you know, you're wanting people who are suffering to not have a perspective that's just defined by their suffering. And I think about the Apostle Paul. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. And if you if you had just read, you know, that verse from Paul, you might think, well, that might be awfully insensitive. He calls my troubles light and momentary. You know, they seem they seem quite significant. They seem quite weighty. But Paul's not a stranger to suffering. You read later on in that letter, this man has endured much. He's not speaking as a stranger from affliction. He's suffered mightily. And I think what Paul's trying to do in writing that way about light and momentary troubles and then talking about a coming weight of glory, he's not trying to minimize our suffering. He's trying to maximize our perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think that the resurrection hope uh, theme is an effort to try to widen our perspective, knowing that suffering is real and it is challenging and it can be daily uh, burdens in the hearts and lives of people. But Paul doesn't want that to define the whole way we look at our lives. There's much more to think about and see. I think that's the challenge, Dave. Um, having 
having our suffering not be minimized while enlarging our perspective about life because we're trusting the Lord's promise, his hope of what is to come. And um, I, I hope to to try to contribute to that in the writing here. Mm, that's really good, brother. I, I remember as you're talking uh, and and I, just coming out of high school, I had a mentor who said he was a longtime pastor in Canada, denominational official. Um, then he was at that time, he was an executive with Microsoft, but he would, he would say to me, Dave, the Christian life is about perspective. And you just mm. wonderfully, you just wonderfully articulated that, that exactly what he meant, I think by that. Mm. Um, so, and that's really, really, uh, I, I hope people are picking up on that because, you know, like we're talking about, we can so easily focus on the here and now and miss, you know, we can stuff our head down in the midst of our trials and the midst of work and, we forget to look up to like Hebrews 12 says to the author and finish of our faith. And that's where our, that's really where our hope is. And I think resurrection will, um, it actually gives greater purpose to what we are doing now. You know, in, in first Corinthians 15, Paul says, look, if, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, our hope is in vain. You know, our, we are to be pitied above all people. Um, we're still in our sins and those who've died in Christ have perished. But at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, one of the applications that Paul is drawing from resurrection hope is that our labor is not in vain. And, and I, I think if, if someone said, well, if I'm going to be more heavenly minded, I'm not going to be any earthly good. Um, I, I would think that C.S. Lewis has the right corrective here, that those who are more heavenly minded, who are thinking about what is to come, they are of great earthly good because they can see um, the meaning and purpose for these frail and temporary lives we do live. They can be more kingdom minded and their lives would not be swallowed up by all the entrapments of this age. Lord willing, uh, an eternal perspective would help fix our eyes to live more fruitfully for the here and now. And we would know that our labor is not in vain. I, I, I think the, the teaching about resurrection in the Bible confirms those things. That's really good news. Yeah, it is. And that that should you know, for those of you that are listening, that should really hit you because we have we have real hope. It's not just, you know, uh, poof. It's like a magic genie and it's and it's gone. You rub the rub the rub the genie thing and there, <laughs> there you go. It's that's it. It comes out and there that's it's a mist and it's gone. It's actually real hope, you know, and it's secured in a real person who really lived and died in real history. And and that if you really think about that and let it hit you, um, it really will change. Even even if you're a Christian, it really will. You know, it really will help you. Amen. This is whatever you're whatever you're going through: grief, struggle, pain, doubt, whatever. I mean, we could go on and on down. We, I'm sure we could go down in the whole panoply <laughs> of of your day and be like resurrection. You're visiting the hospital. Resurrection. You know, you're talking to somebody in your re resurrection, you know, um, it's it's that important. Well, just looking at the whole Bible, how does a resurrection under help us understand the whole story of the scripture? If I go back to the beginning of the story of image bearers, where we're witnessing Adam and Eve um, come to be by God's own power and they are embodied. It's important to me that in the storyline of scripture, these are not disembodied spirits who are, you know, ministering or advancing the kingdom and fellowshipping with the Lord 
later given bodies, you know, as if the Lord says, I have something even better. What if we gave you bodies? They are embodied from the beginning. And there is a tree called the tree of life that they are barred from eating at the end of Genesis three because of their sin. And when they're exiled from Eden, they will no longer have access to this tree. And what the Lord says is they will not be able to eat of it lest he eat of it and live forever. There is this potentiality this tree has for everlasting life. And if Adam and Eve are embodied uh, creatures, image, image bearers, I think the tree of life in the opening chapters of Genesis gives us a hope for embodied life that we were made for, everlasting embodied life. Now, that means that um, sin has disrupted this. Death comes into the world. And Romans 5 is interpreting the fall and the arrival of death upon God's image bearers. If death has disrupted these things and that part of the the curse and the fall that creation experiences is the corruption and ultimate experience of death, the reversal of the curse will not just mean the deliverance of souls. It will mean the physical cosmic redemption and glorification of what sin has brought harm to and corrosion to the Lord's redemptive plan will be as the lyric says, you know, he he comes to make his blessing flow as far as the curse is found. And if our bodies experience the curse of sin and the the, uh, eventual, not just the uh, eventual death, but even the forces of death at work in the world and the breakdown of our bodies and the slow decline of our faculties and frame, resurrection from the dead is the remedy to this. Not only then will Jesus deliver us from the penalty of sin, the effects of sin upon our bodies will be overcome by a glorified immortality. And this is, I think, where the garden is pointing. If we will take the story of the Bible as uh, having a trajectory from the garden forward, Christ has inaugurated the life we will imitate in our own resurrection from the dead. Uh, I, I think this is Paul's point in Philippians 3. We await as citizens of heaven, the one who will come from heaven, that our bodies would be made alike his, our lowly bodies raised from the dead. And um, and that means the Old Testament is looking forward to this hope. They're looking, the Old Testament authors are longing for the Messiah to come. And this king will reign everlastingly. This priest, after the order of Melchizedek, will be priest forever. And I think we need to reflect on how it is that the appointed deliverer of God's people will have some kind of forever status. Because as someone born into this world, you're going to have the death problem. How is he going to deal with that? His priesthood's going to be forever and his kingdom is going to be forever as the son of David. The resurrection of the dead is how Christ accomplishes this. In Hebrews 7, we're told that he remains priest forever because he has an indestructible life. So Jesus himself has inaugurated this hope of what is to come. And our union with Christ ensures that just as he's risen from the dead, we will rise. Uh, I think the story of the Bible advances many different important teachings and doctrines, obviously. But resurrection life gets at what we were made for, which sin has disrupted, which Christ has now inaugurated, and in him it will be accomplished. I think we can tell the story of the Bible with this kind of hope and really, really get a, a good grasp on what the storyline is unfolding. It's a beautiful thing. Mm, that's that's beautiful, brother. 
You know, I really appreciate that you mentioned Andrew Peterson at the at the opening. I think you dedicate the book to him. I do. I dedicate it to Andrew. That's awesome. That's awesome. I enjoy his music as well. Well, and his music has been so important in our family's life over these years. I think of of uh, of his lyrics as imbibing such hope, such life, such uh, confidence in the power of God and in the mercy of God. I I love the way he celebrates these truths. And um, when I think about the title resurrection hope and the death of death it was not difficult at all to to understand who would be uh, i think a rightly recipient of the dedication i i loved his music so much it was uh, one of the easiest things to be able to do in the whole book was dedicated to him <laughs> so wonderful. it was good in the midst of i love that in the midst of you know uh people struggle pain doubt fear how how does seeing good worship music like andrews help us our hearts are are made to imitate um, the the uh, ebbs and flows of what we are experiencing in life. In other words, if we are experiencing great trials, it's normal for our hearts to have sorrow and lament. Um, if we're experiencing circumstances of great joy and blessing and flourishing, we can have soaring delights. We we need to have things our hearts can sing and express emotively that are true. Um, it's easy to be led by your feelings. It's easy to be overly emotional about things that can end up undermining sound doctrine and theology. I think the Psalms are a wonderful piece of biblical instruction for us that we need to have things our hearts can express in song and in praise and in lament. And um, one of the one of the ways I think God has uh, gifted um, his people over these uh, centuries of his church is by equipping musicians to both put together music and lyrics that give voice to what's going on in our hearts in this life and to give us give us words that speak truthfully about them. Uh, so we not only need things to sing, uh, we need to be able to sing what is beautiful and good and true because music gets into the depths of us in a way that maybe just uh, a prose telling of something or a narration of something might not hit us as profoundly, though I do think fiction can do this. I simply mean music and storytelling with verse has a penetrating power. And we we realize this because of how deeply music can move us and get into our hearts. Um, you know, Andrew Peterson's music has done this for me. And I love the way the Lord has equipped um, his church with musicians who write to encourage and strengthen people by pulling truth um, into a verse and by uh, giving us songs for the for the darkness, which are songs of light. Um, I, I think it helps us to persevere, being able to have a soundtrack of hope for our for our hearts. And um, and we we all need it. If we if we don't think we do, we probably need it more than we realize. And uh, and uh, and I think um, of of people who have ministered deeply to me, uh, I dedicate this book to Andrew Peterson because that's exactly a role he's played for for my own heart. Mm, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, there's nothing like a good song that has good theology, and it really helps you know to deal with the pain of life, the difficult right. situations. And it drives my wife nuts because when I find a song like that, it's on repeat for her. That's right. And uh, well, she's like, "Time to maybe time to put on your change of songs or, you know, uh, <laughs> from home. And so, you know. Well, you know, Dave, I'm already listening. Headphones. Yeah. 
I'm already listening to Christmas music. So I, I, uh, I, I need, I need, uh, we just lost everybody. That's <laughs> bye everybody. bye, everybody. They just turned off the interview. Um, they just returned the book. I'm sorry, guys. I do, I do, uh, I do think for, for Christmas songs, for Advent season, all of these, uh, these kinds of, uh, hymns and music that people have written and are writing, we, we need light for the dark. And, and I think the way the Lord ministers by his spirit is through truth and song so many times. And um, I, I love the season that's coming up uh, because I feel like the light of the world and all of the ways that songs sing and portray the truth of his birth um, gives such hope in the incarnation. It is it is a stirring time. I, I, I can't wait. That's why I can't wait till after Thanksgiving. I've, I just got to have it already in the in the in the repeat. So that's OK. Do you, you hear just, what I hear? <laughs> you just want your eggnog. OK, so yeah. let's all just be honest here. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Although I do like eggnog for those of you. And now you just, now we just, now we just really lost everybody. Do you just yeah. unsubscribe for this podcast? Nice to know you, everybody. Thanks for That's listening. Right. This was the last episode of your podcast. I had yeah, it was, Sorry about bye-bye. That. Yeah. Bye-bye everybody. <laughs> you had a good run. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. All right. Well, brother, where can people go to find you on social media or otherwise? I am active uh, mostly on Twitter at Mitchell chase is uh, where they'll find my Twitter handle. And um, I blog occasionally, but uh, not as often these days. I'm mainly active on on Twitter, occasionally on Facebook. Uh, that's really the extent of my social media parameters at this point. And that's that's probably best <laughs> for my own life right now. And um, and so if folks wanted to follow the account, uh, I hope that what I share there would be uh, help uh, helpful and hope giving to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where I'll be at Mitchell Chase on Twitter. Yeah, that's wonderful, brother. I follow you too. So that means that you should definitely already be following him, everybody. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, before this gets really weird, we better end. But um, just as I always say, uh, you know, as we wrap up, there's always so much to say. And that's always that's always true with the resurrection. So just as we mm. wrap up today, um, what, what are your takeaways for those who listen or watch? I would want people to be convinced that Jesus and Paul, as examples in the New Testament, speak of resurrection as an ancient truth in the Old Testament, that it is a biblical truth, not just a New Testament idea. So that when Jesus rises from the dead, he's fulfilling and inaugurating a hope that is ancient. And um, when Paul has um, the teachings he does about the resurrection of Christ and the hope that is to come, he it is in continuity with the Old Testament. Um, I'm one, one of the goals in this book then, Dave, is to uh, mine the Old Testament passages to speak of resurrection hope and to see that resurrection hope is older than the empty tomb. And the empty tomb is really good news because it tells us God has brought into this world already an inauguration of this glorious reality. And that Jesus himself, as the conqueror of death, gives us hope in our own suffering, that as we follow him carrying our cross, we remember what happened after his cross. He rises from the dead, never to die again. That's an incredible hope we have. I think it can help us persevere. I think it can help us sing with boldness, even in the darkness of the night. It can help us hope in God when hope for any other reasons wouldn't make sense. If God has conquered the grave in the person of his son, um, we have great hope for what is to come. A life made that was already set as a trajectory in the garden and embodied glorified immortality. That is what is coming for us. Um, and I would want readers to be able to celebrate and delight in that. And, uh, and I hope that they'll be strengthened in that hope when they read the book. 
Thank you so much, brother, for your time today and for your ministry. Pray God's virtuous blessings on you, brother, as you continue to write and preach and minister. We appreciate you. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that right back. And uh, it's been an honor to be with you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.